Welcome to Addiction and the Family, Episode 48, The Year in Recovery. How has addiction affected your family? It robbed me of my father. Addictions have affected my family in absolutely every way. Um, it has caused a lot of turmoil. It goes back to what I understand is at least three generations. It robbed my daughter of her mother. It robbed my mother of her daughter. Addiction has made our family quite challenging. Addiction affected my family tremendously. Uh, it's affected my relationship with my sister where I wouldn't I'd go for months without talking to her. It's a very difficult thing for everybody involved. It doesn't just affect the, the one individual. It's a disease that affects the whole family. Addiction is spread not only genetically through like some of my uh, relatives and I assume ancestors. It's uh, generational. I think of him every day. Welcome to Addiction in the Family, a podcast by and for family members of anyone with an addiction. My name is Casey Ariaga, and I'm a clinical social worker and addiction counselor at both Windmill Wellness Ranch and In Mind Out Emotional Wellness Center. And I'm the author of the books, Realistic Hope, The Family Survival Guide for Facing Alcoholism and Other Addictions, Spirituality for People Who Hate Spirituality, and the new children's book, Mommy's Getting Sober. My wife, Kira, and I were in our addictions for over 10 years together in a shared recovery for over twice that long. Join us as we offer experience, strength, and realistic hope about how you and your family can find recovery together. In this episode, we're going to look back at 2023 through a recovery lens. We've invited a few of our previous guests who have been on this year to come back and talk about how their year in recovery has been, what they've learned, their favorite recovery stories from 2023, and what they are hoping for in recovery for 2024. All this and more after a word from one of our sponsors. Addiction in the Family is brought to you in part by the generous support of Windmill Wellness Ranch, an innovative treatment center located in the beautiful hill country of Texas and serving clients and their families from throughout the United States. I'm Shannon Mollish, CEO of Windmill Wellness Ranch. We offer the best in neurotechnology to heal the brain and the best therapy to heal the mind. Call us today at 210-762-6217. I'd also like to let you know that Windmill Wellness Ranch now has a free course available to any family or friends of anybody with any addiction. The course is available at windmillfamilycourse.com. Once you go and sign up for free, you'll get a weekly email pointing you towards blog posts, videos, and podcast episodes that help carry a message of hope. Sign up today at windmillfamilycourse.com. Welcome back. Our first guests for this episode are Deanna and Travis. You may recall them as a couple of siblings who found recovery together in their family, here to update us on how things are going these days. Welcome back. Great to have you guys. Question number one, what you have learned from your recovery in 2023? Travis, go ahead. (laughs) 2023 has been an interesting year for me. You know, um, there's been a lot of change outside of recovery. And, you know, I think it's really taught me to get back to basics. And the big part of getting back to those basics is reconnecting with my higher power. Because, you know, for me, that's the beginning, middle and end for my recovery is my higher power. And I think it's really easy when things are going well to, you know, forget to rely on your higher power. It's, you know, kind of when you get back into the foxhole that you remember, oh, I'm, I can't do this alone. So, I, you know, really focusing on when things are going well to be in a lot of gratitude. 
Because when I'm in gratitude, I know that I'm thankful for what I'm being provided. And then when things aren't going too well, I know that I have something greater than myself that can carry me through it. So yeah, just getting back to basics has been the real big thing, I think. Um, someone uh, had told me in a meeting, you know, if you have to get back to basics, <laughs> then you had left them. So um, it's an important thing to remember. And I think it was a good reminder for me for this year. I'm four years into my sobriety now, and it's around this time that I know a lot of people start struggling and, and kind of having a lull in their recovery and that pink cloud and maybe is kind of finally popped, but I see it as almost like a, a rebirth in the whole situation. And, and I'm just really grateful for my recovery this year, especially. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Deanna, what would you say is the biggest thing you learned in your recovery in 2023? So I'm actually new to this recovery. I started a sex and love addiction this year. It's actually been a very difficult year for me, a lot of lessons, you know, this addiction that I've always known that was there, but never did anything about it. And so um, I think now that I've gained some clarity, some things have kind of caught up on some of my past that has led me to Sex and Love Addiction Anonymous, which has been great. I, so I've learned that, you know, I can't ignore all these underlying problems. Like I, I need to be able to face them, have the courage to do that, but I can't do that alone. And so I've been very blessed with an amazing sponsor who's guided me along the way, helped me address some things that I haven't really looked at as much before and that I'm not alone. Being part of SLAA has been freeing for me to be able to be vulnerable and completely honest and transparent and hearing everybody shares in the meeting reminds me that I'm not alone. And so I, it's... It's going from like, I feel crazy to feel, I, I feel a part of, and I feel heard and understood. And so that's allowed me to dive deeper into my recovery now. Well, thank you so much for talking about that. And I know that's the original recovery for me. I'm in four different programs right now. And I even know what the fifth one will be if I'm not on top of my game <laughs> around workaholism. But I know that kind of transitioning from, okay, I'm in this program. And then like, oh, wait, there's this other issue that I'm going to have to look at. And Deanna, you've been on the show previously talking about recovery as a family member. And I wonder, do you mind talking for just a minute about what that was like to make that transition from, hey, I'm in here in recovery because of like sort of family issues into, okay, I'm really here because of this other thing as well. Yeah. So when I was in Al-Anon, you know, I had started that program about, I want to say five years ago. So I was doing my fourth step, did my fifth step with my sponsor. We recognized these patterns that I had around my love addiction. And my sponsor wanted me to look at that and kind of ex explore that a little bit more, but I never did. And I just avoided that, you know, when I avoid it becomes a bigger problem. And then eventually, you know, the consequences catch up. So I'm grateful now for the consequences for me that led me into the program of SLAA, but I'm trying to do things differently to where if there is something, there is a pattern that's showing up, I need to address it now versus waiting and avoiding like I've done in the past. And I guess I was focusing on that because I know I've seen a number of situations where like somebody comes in for family recovery, I'm here because this other person has an addiction, mm -hmm. and then realize, oh, wait, I need to get into my personal recovery. And then I've seen a fair number of people go the other way around. Okay, I'm just here because I have this problem. I know I need to work on it. And then somewhere in there they say, oh, wait a second, I need to look at my recovery around family members as well. And 
I just wanted to highlight that because here we are on a program that is largely focused on recovery for family members. And most of the time that's in the context of like, how do you recover from what your loved one has gone through or done and shifting that focus to, okay, what do I need to be looking at for just for me? And again, just want to commend you on that. Like I said, you know, sex and love addiction is my bedrock original going back to infancy. You name it. Can't think of a time in my life where that wasn't there. And yet I know so many people, they just go through their entire lives and like, whoop, we're not looking too closely at that. So I want to commend you for looking at that as well. Yeah, thank you. I think Al-Anon was a good introductory program for me. <laughs> and that's funny because there are some people who start somewhere else and they're like, oh, Al-Anon was like my master's program or my doctorate program. And it's like, well, it depends where you start. Yeah. Very cool stuff. All righty. So I'm going to ask you each to be able to tell us your favorite recovery story from 2023 whether it's something you witnessed or something you experienced. Go ahead, Trav. You know, the one I think that sticks out in my head is there's this um, this guy, and I'm not going to name names. There's this guy that I've known for 20 plus years, um, you know, and we're, we're good friends and we had like separated because I went to the military, went to college and like we always kind of come back to the hometown and everything. And then I was just sitting in a random meeting one day and here this guy comes walking in and I was like, oh, you too. And like, we already had a bond and a connection, but there was all like this instant of we've gone through the same stuff together. And like it immediately knocked our relationship up a couple more levels. And it was kind of a crazy thing about how the fellowship immediately does that. Cause there's also strangers that I'll walk in and you know, what they're saying is I immediately get like, there's already, there's like immediately this bond and relationship that's there. Um, but I'd never seen it from, like a childhood friend that walked in and like it, it was just really a cool thing to know that we were both um, getting the recovery and help that we needed because it was a really cool experience. Mm. First of all, you know, obviously getting into the program this year has been just eye-opening for me. I think it just kind of turned everything around as far as like my perspective and going from I'm alone in this, you know, I have nobody to turn to, to, oh my gosh, I have a fellowship and I have people that I'll share my story with that will just nod their heads like, yeah, I get it. And I'm like, oh, you do. Okay. You know, so this judgment-free zone of that, even just sharing the real issue I have is trying to control everything. So, you know, my husband, he has his therapist and we have a therapist. And I remember there was one situation to where I thought he was lying to his therapist or he wasn't being fully honest. So I was just noticing these things that I felt were affecting our marriage. So I went ahead and I emailed his therapist and I was like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what he's telling me. I don't know if he's being honest, but I feel like you should know. And then I called my sponsor and my sponsor was like, um, so like, what are you really trying to do here? It sounds like you're trying to control something, you know, and, uh, with your husband and his therapist, which that's between him and his therapist, right? Like he can be honest with his therapist or not, but that's, none of your business. And so I had to, and this was really hard for me, but I had to go back to the therapist and email her and say, and, and essentially make an amends. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I got involved where I shouldn't have. And then go to Chris, my husband and be like, Hey, this is what I did. I need to make amends to you and, you know, show him the email but I was so terrified of getting honest because I've lived a, a life of just not complete honesty, right? Where I 
would give half truths or I would hide things. And so for me to be like, this is what I did. Here's the email. You can read it and um, really face that. That was really big for me. And my husband didn't even respond angrily. He was like actually very grateful that I was honest with him. He goes, I get it. So for me, it was like, okay, that's my boundary is that like whatever my husband's doing for his own healing and recovery, that's for him not for me. And then, you know, that goes the same for me, whatever I'm doing, like that is for me. So that was huge for me as far as the taking control. Cause I think I've always tried to take control in everything in my life, which is where then I start acting out. Beautiful. Okay. So the last question I have for each of you is what are you hoping for from recovery in 2024? Um, really, I think I'm just, for me, I'm growing in this program, continuing the work in my step work. I'm wanting to be open-minded to what my higher power has for me. Um, really, I've been focusing on also spiritual growth. And a lot of times I can neglect that. Like when things are going really well, I tend to just go with it. And then I ignore like that I, I need to pray or do my devotionals and all that. And so until things get really bad. So I'm trying to find this balance of like, you know, having gratitude when things are going well, still keeping in a strong relationship with my higher power, regardless of the situation, you know, so when things are going bad, you know, I'm still having that relationship and going to my sponsor, being consistent with those phone calls and text messages, um, as well as staying connected into the program. So, you know, I'm looking forward to having that consistency this upcoming 2024. My lesson this year was getting back to basics. So my plan is to stay there, stay grateful, stay relying on uh, my higher power. And it's kind of funny that this was brought up earlier, but I've been exploring other recovery programs as well. Because I, at some point, I realized that I feel like I might be missing something. And if I'm working my program to the best of the, my ability and I still feel like I'm missing something, then there's something else wrong. Um, so I've been exploring Al-Anon and ACA as well. At minimum, I've learned some things about myself. And I'm really excited to maybe explore that and get into it and, you know, get back to just fully relying on my higher power and, and being grateful for this whole process. Deanna and Travis, so grateful to have you on the program again. Let's take a break and hear from one of our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll have another couple of people who have been on our program before talking about their year in recovery. You have a loved one who's just gotten sober. They're trying to convince you that this time is different, that they've really changed. But their words fall on deaf ears. So much trust has been lost over the course of their addiction. Soberlink can help. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is designed to help loved ones get sober while rebuilding trust with friends and family. Small enough to fit in their purse or pocket and discreet enough to use in public, Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection, and real-time results so you know instantly that a loved one is sober and working toward their recovery goals. Visit www.soberlink.com family to sign up and receive $50 off a device. Welcome back. Next up, we have a couple of people who are so near and dear to my heart, Brian and Tamara, to talk about their year in recovery. Okay, Brian and Tamara, welcome back to the show. Hey, Kate. So what has recovery been like for you in 2023? 
I'll go ahead and go first. It hit me hard this morning. I was trying to think of all this cool stuff to say. And then this morning I got up and I was like, I went over that question in my head, but I rephrased it a little bit. And in my head, I was like, in one word, describe your recovery this year. And the word that came to mind was dry. And so I think all the fancy words that I've been trying to come up with were trying to beat around the bush and and not admit that my recovery has been dry, but it really has. You know, the past couple of years, I haven't gone to so many meetings and I've maintained connections with sponsees and done a little bit of work here and there. But this year, like I just, I stopped even doing any work with any sponsees. I haven't been to any meetings for a while. So yeah, in in all honesty, recovery for me this year has been dry. And that's an expression that's known in the rooms of recovery, but for maybe family members or other people listening who don't know that as well, Tamara, would you mind explaining just kind of what that expression means? Oh, gosh. Uh, Yes, of course. So being active in my recovery, I think it's a little bit more along the lines of just staying in constant communication with other alcoholics. Going to meetings is, is part of that or can be part of that, but it's not a must. And doing step work, main, maintaining like a healthy spiritual life. And when you don't do those things, it tends to have an adverse effect on your attitude. And I know... Like, even though I've been okay, I've had a a tremendous amount of anxiety this year. And I think a lot of it is just isolation. Even if you're not in recovery, if you isolate too much, it can affect your attitude. You know, that's the best I could describe it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I know that family members sometimes may notice their loved ones doing this sort of thing. You have a loved one in recovery. You notice they're not going to as many meetings or not as engaged. They're not talking about it so much. And as a family member, it can be really tempting to say, hey, let me jump in and encourage you or push you or nag you even. Tomorrow for you, what would you say to a family member who sees their loved one who was in active recovery start to drift from it? Man, um, all I can say is what has been working for me is my husband. He has been so supportive of me. He will bring it up every now and then because I know I know it's a, a huge concern for him. It's, you know, uh, he doesn't want to see me in pain or, you know, God forbid I, I take a drink because I'm I'm just so miserable or whatever, or the obsession comes back. But he encourages me. He'll talk to me about it a little bit here and there, but he does not push me. And I think that's the best. A little bit here and there is okay. And he'll take my temperature if he brings it up and I'm like, like have a little attitude, he'll drop it, you know, he won't push it. But, but there's times that we'll have, you know, deeper conversations about it, but he lets me pick the speed on that. And that's extremely helpful. If he were too pushy, we'd probably be bickering all the time. And then, and then when people push, you tend to not want to do what they want you to do just out of spite. (laughs) And so, so I really think just being aware of it, um, being encouraging, but not being pushy, not making it a topic of conversation every time we have a conversation. I appreciate that perspective. 
And I will say for family members who say, oh, no, I've noticed my loved one is not working as hard and they're recovering and all that kind of stuff. My number one tip is usually, well, why don't you put all the effort into your recovery that you wish your loved one was putting into their recovery? Mm. And if you really think to going off the rails, then um, maybe it's time for you to batten down the hatches and, you know, prepare yourself. But you can't make your loved one engaged in recovery. So I'll say if you want them to go to meetings, you go to your meetings. You wish they're reading the literature, you read, you know, your literature as a family member, whether it's Al-Anon, Smart Recovery, whatever it is that you're doing. If you wish they were working with a sponsor or a mentor in recovery, you work with a sponsor or mentor in recovery. Just do all those things you wish your loved one was doing, and you'll see your life get better regardless of what your loved one does. And Brian, do you mind giving a little perspective from your end of this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, man, my wife, the way that she described it, like being dry or whatever, the way I would say, man, she's a, a wonderful person and she, her personality is always super bright. And so for me, it's apparent when she's not feeling well. And although she said those things earlier, I say 95% of 2023 has been wonderful for us as a couple. So when she says her attitude's bad, it's like <laughs> for her not having a good attitude 2% of the time is abnormal. I, I say the same thing for me. We're really positive people, really optimistic. Man, we we giggle a lot and hang out and kick it. And that's one of my favorite things is that we'll just be there just hanging out giggling. That's just We're just kind of just good people like that. And so it is abnormal for us right now in our lives if we have bad attitudes or things are not going well, not uh, externally, right? Things We've had some rough times in 2023, but it's apparent when she's not feeling good. Let's put it that way. And of course, it worries me. And I do an internal audit of her recovery. <laughs> I'm like, I would have, what is she doing? And then I, I think to myself, like you said, Casey, I'm not in control of her recovery. Uh, she's been doing this for a long time. And I know that people go through these spells. And then occasionally her sponsees will call or she'll do some incredibly altruistic thing for uh, one of her girls. Like uh, she did for one of her sponsees recently, getting them into a place called Arms of Hope Ministry and taking them clothes down to Hey, just doing all these things. So it's like these little bright spots where her recovery is flickering. It hasn't gone out, but it's it's uh, it's flickering right now. And do, do I worry? Of course I do. Do we have protocols in place? Have we discussed this? Yes, we have. Because the truth is that we're two alcoholics and we're dealing with a deadly disease. I think Bill said it best in Bill's story where he said, uh, you might be wondering about our, our seemingly worldliness and levity, but do not be mistaken. Underneath it all is a deadly earnest, right? Faith must work in us 24 hours a day or we perish. So even though we're having fun and life is good, da, 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 we both understand the gravity of what we're dealing with. And as a husband, I can just sit there and support my wife and love her through it and just take that, take that as a name. But I will say that I have thought about pulling out one of my main character defects, which is put on my cape and up in a way and to rescue her and, you know, go over here and get her a sponsor and take her to meetings and blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't want that. Right. So what I'm going to do is sit back and wait for her. And like you said, Casey, I'm, I'm so glad you said that demonstrate recovery from this perspective, just do what I can for my recovery 
and you know, there's hope that she can do what she can for hers. Beautiful. So, Brian, what would you say overall recovery has been like for you in 2023? Oh, man. Uh, it's a big question, man. So uh, I'm realizing that six years sober that for me and for us as a couple isn't just like the meetings and the actual concept of sobriety and AA and recovery. And so recovery has given me a, a bunch of different things. It's given me, I would say, definitely a wife, external things, school, jobs, car, a place to live, some kittens, right? And so all of these things uh, require time. I mean, kind of like tomorrow, my recovery has been kind of pushed to the periphery of my life to where it has to make room for all these other things in my life that require time. At first, I was kind of worried about it, like, oh, man, what happens if it gets pushed too far to the edge? But uh, for me, to answer your question, in 2023, I've seen an ebb and flow of when I'm in school, my recovery kind of wanes to the edge. But when I'm when I'm out of school, it bubbles more to the forefront. And my spirituality, the way I see God working is that uh, all of a sudden, at the end of semester, sponsors will start popping up and opportunities for more meetings or people call me, hey, what are you doing? And they don't know my school schedule, but I think that God knows exactly what I need and places things in my life at the right point in time. To sum up recovery in one word, I would say it is trending upwards. Oh, that's two words, but whatever. <laughs> I love it. Tomorrow, what would you say has been the biggest thing you've learned in recovery in 2023? Okay. So this one, you know how you have an idea in your head, but you can't really put it into words. And then one day it just becomes completely apparent, like that light bulb moment. So I really had my light bulb moment about a week ago. So like I could go to a ton of meetings and it would help my anxiety, just being around people, being around friends, doing the step work would help me be a little bit more spiritually active. Um, there's things I can do to maintain just a better life as a whole, right? A more well-rounded life. But I have some, I guess you call them like co-occurring mental illnesses. Like I deal with, I've said anxiety a couple of times here. I deal with really bad depression. And I have found that even though following an AA program or recovery program helps address the issues of depression and anxiety and different things like that, if I'm only treating my alcoholism, but not treating my mental illness as its own thing, then I'm not getting all of the help that I need. I'm not going to get better. I don't know what the underlying issues are, but I've reached out to some therapists. And so I'm going to therapy to try to help get my mind right. I take medication, which in some communities is, is frowned upon. But if I feel it's necessary or if doctors feel it's necessary and it helps me function in a day-to-day -day life, then I'm fully on board with it, not only for myself, but for other people who, you know, sometimes just going to meetings and doing some step work and praying is not enough to maintain well-being as a whole. Brian, what about you? What would you say is the biggest thing you've learned in recovery in 2023? That's a big question. I've learned a lot in recovery. There is a flow, a rhythm, and a momentum to not just my recovery, but things in life in general. Like if I'm working out and I just go to the gym or wherever I'm working out at and I just go gung-ho and I don't 
rest between sets, and I'm just trying to get it done and just plow through it. Or if I'm in my schoolwork and I just try to study for as long and hard as I can at one sitting, or if I'm in my recovery and I just go like to 50 meetings a week and there's this edge and this burnout that occurs. And then the next time that I try to pick it back up, there's that limbic friction where it's hard for me to begin again because I think about the effort that it took on the last deal. And so I would say that having a rhythm to my recovery. And like I said, the, the semester on, semester off, uh, sponsors here and sponsors there. And so over the years, I think when I first came to recovery, it was really intense a lot. It was going on pretty fast and uh, hardcore. And now I went through a period pretty recently where it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of like tomorrow was saying my meeting game was lackluster at best. And uh, I realized to have grace with myself that, man, like I'm not always going to be on. And to maybe take it slow, slow and steady. So instead of pushing through all that stuff, do a little bit, rest. And having an actual rhythm and intentionality to what I'm doing in life and recovery. Now, going back to what Tamara was saying earlier, and the word I, I used was momentum. I believe that there's a recovery momentum that's built up. And if I could speak to the family members, I would say that when a family member comes out of treatment or whatever you're dealing with them, and it's hard for you to impress upon them, but this is something that I've learned in my recovery, that and me and tomorrow both, we have built up, I would say, a recovery momentum and an underlying ethos that bleeds through our personalities, that bleeds through our lifestyle, the, a way we try to live by spiritual principles and otherwise. This momentum that's built up that continues to carry on if I'm not going to a thousand meetings a day, right? There's people who are calling me. There's sponsors who need help. There's things that I think about daily. Like one of them is, is this how it happens, right? And so like, uh, well, let's say my meetings aren't happening or, um, you know, whatever's going on in my life that could be adverse to my recovery. I always think, is this how it happens? Because I hear the stories, man. I'm not the guy who is outside of, consequences. And that is enough to kind of galvanize me to kind of move forward. So I have three words for it to sum up uh, things I've learned this year, and that is rhythm, flow, and momentum. Thank you. So what is your favorite recovery story from 2023, whether it's about you or something else that you heard without disclosing identifying information, of course? So can we tell a combined story? You can totally tell a combined story. Okay, so I have a friend over the years, I've sponsored her, we've done step work together, we've just become really good friends. She came back into my life this year, and I was so excited, I haven't heard from her in years, and we started talking, and come to find out, she was in an abusive relationship, and has been for years. It got really, really bad one night, I was able to go and collect her and her kids, and take them to Haven for Hope and to another organization where I had another friend from recovery who helped get them set up. And over a period of time, that girl stuck it out, but she stayed sober the whole time, and I stayed sober the whole time. And it was, it was a lot of work, but I feel like it had a happy ending. Today, she's safe. So, baby, didn't tell the good part. I'm giving the details. Tamara and her sponsee have been working together, good friends for a long time, man. She has two young boys. 
I remember tomorrow, like, I'm going to see so and so. We're going to we're going to hang out. And, da, da, da. and she come back with that sponsor glow after hanging out with her. And I always love to see that. My wife, I like to see her glow. And then one day she had told me that the girls, uh, she had been forced into a position where she was completely dependent on a man and the man's mom to, I, I guess, survive. She was there with minimal job experience. I'm like, baby, was she working? No, but she tried. It was really hard. She she just had a newborn baby also. Exactly. And she wasn't working and she was just in this position where she was pretty much stuck with this dude who was mentally abusive. And so, of course, as most things do, the mental abuse escalated into physical abuse. And I believe she had left before. And so this was the second time that she was leaving. So there's this concept within church, man, where, you know, people pay their tithes. And me and my wife, we discuss tithes. And I'm of the frame of mind that instead of giving the money to some church, right, I like to actually put the money into helping people. And so, man, wifey, she bought this lady all types of uh, things to help her with her family. And so wifey had brought this lady over and she was struggling, right, clearly. And next thing you know, her and her kids had to end up leaving that place and going to Haven for Hope. And it's funny, like, how is this a recovery story? It's, um, this is like our life today. And in the past, putting so much effort into helping other people, or we may have been more inclined to say, you know, give them 50 bucks and good luck, you know, drop her off at a homeless shelter. But we kind of carried her through as much as we could. And, and in the end, she ended up getting into an amazing place for women and children. And she got her own house and just being able to be stable for someone in a situation like that, if we were not sober, if we were drinking, if we were, you know, doing drugs or, or any of that stuff, we would not have been able to stand by her and carry her through the situation. And that was just being able to be there for someone in need is truly just a miracle of our recovery of, of being sober. Okay, last question. What are you hoping for in your recovery in 2024? A baby. We're hoping to have a baby in 2024 and that we remain sober and I'll be finishing school. And man, uh, if we can repeat the last four years that we've had, that will be good. So we just hope for a repeat of what's been going on. Tomorrow, how about you? What are you hoping for for recovery in 2024? I would like to just continue to grow. I would like to grow spiritually, put more effort into mine and my husband's spiritual life. You know, that could be small things like meditating or prayer or, you know, it could be bigger things. And I would like to be a better friend. I'd like to get out of my house more and spend time with my friends. We didn't get sober just to go to meetings and work with sponsees. We got sober to have a better life. And I would love to be able to just relax a little and go have some fun with my friends. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for coming back on the show, and we look forward to having you again on sometime soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Okay, it's time for one last break to hear from one of our sponsors, and then when we come back, Kira and I are going to talk a little bit about our year in recovery and what we're hoping for in 2024. Among our sponsors, the most important one is you. We are so grateful for your support in our mission to help people with addiction and their families find recovery. Here are some ways you can help. I have a website at caseyauthor.com where you can find all the various ways I'm working to spread a message of hope for anyone struggling with addiction and anyone who loves them. 
There you can find videos, interviews I've given on other people's podcasts, information on my books, Realistic Hope, The Family Survival Guide for Facing Alcoholism and Other Addictions, Spirituality for People Who Hate Spirituality, and my newest book, Mommy's Getting Sober, a children's book that also includes a guide for caregivers on how to talk to kids about addiction. All three are available on Amazon and other retailers as both paperback and ebook. If you have read them, please tell a friend or anyone you think might be helped by their message. There's also a link to help support us on Patreon.com. Your subscriptions help make all this possible. If you'd like to become a subscriber, visit Patreon.com and look up Addiction and the Family. Thanks again. We couldn't do this without you. Welcome back. All right, for the last section in today's episode, we're going to actually check in with the lovely Kira, and she and I will ask ourselves these same questions. So, Kira... What has recovery been like for you in 2023? Recovery's been really good to me in 2023. I've moved through some anorexia issues. That's been cool. And I've been sponsoring six different women through their steps, and that has been really rewarding for me. If you could clarify, since some of our listeners may not know, when you say anorexia, what are you referring to? Oh, yeah. I'm referring to sexual anorexia. I've never had the other kind. For me, recovery in 2023 has been pretty amazing, actually. I'm also sponsoring a number of people. That has been really rewarding. I've been going through the steps myself in one of my 12-step programs. That's been super rewarding. I just finished up Step 9 Amends, actually, while we were on vacation because, you know, recovery never takes a vacation. So when I'm on vacation, it's actually time to get a little extra recovery work. As others have shared on this episode, recovery is not my entire life, but it is a thread that runs through everything in my life. And I've just been seeing more and more rewards from that. So that's been super cool. Mm. Kira, what would you say has been the biggest thing you learned in recovery in 2023? It isn't so much that I've learned it. It's more a deepening of the knowledge that I am not in charge. I am not my own higher power. I have a higher power and it is not me, but... I do have it. It never stops being my higher power and I can lean on it. And when I lean on it, things go a lot better. When I don't lean on it, things don't go as well. Yeah, I hear you on that. (laughs) You know, I'm going to say the biggest thing I learned in recovery in 2023, I'm with you. It's more of a deepening of the knowledge. And I'd say that deepening has really come around just not being afraid to jump in. And I've found that no matter how many times I've done the steps, it can still be a little bit like, "Uh uh-oh, here comes steps four and five, here comes steps eight and nine. And for those that aren't as familiar with the process, four, I'm doing a fearless and searching moral inventory of yourself. Five is sharing it with another person. Step eight is making a list of all the persons you have harmed. And step nine is to go out and make amends with those people. And... I found myself, even though I was doing the amends around one issue, it brought up some things around other issues in my life where I thought, I'm going to like do some deep dives and go back into some stuff from my teenage years when really that was kind of the worst version of myself as far as I can tell. And I realize now that a lot of people might say the same thing, but it's true in my case. And so going back and tracking down some of the people who I thought might be open to it, because one of the charges we have in this is to not do any further harm. And I found that there were a few people where I thought, you know, maybe I haven't tried hard enough to try and go find these people. And I was able to do that and hopefully brought some lightness to their hearts. And certainly I know it helped me in my recovery. And so Kara, what's your favorite recovery story from 2023? My favorite recovery story from 2023 would be uh, watching a couple of the women I sponsor get far enough into their steps 
where they are sponsoring other women. I'm a grand sponsor now, which is fun. I love it when my sponsees and I have our weekly phone calls and they have questions or stories about their experiences as new sponsors. I have to ask, as a grand sponsor, do you bake cookies? No, I don't get to do that anymore. It's very sad, but you know what? There's always somebody else that can bake cookies. That's another important lesson of recovery is that other people can also bake cookies. That's right. You don't have to bake the cookies. I'm going to make a bumper sticker. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say my favorite recovery story is actually from one of the amends that I made. And that was someone I reached out to and I didn't know if and how they would remember me. Um, I kind of had it in my mind that I had done some injustice in my teenage years again. And so I reached out and I had a little trouble tracking down a phone number and I finally found one and I reached out and it was their mom who picked up the phone. And so that was felt a little awkward at first, but the mom was like, oh my God, it's so great to hear from you. And I know that, you know, insert the name of the person that I was reaching out to will just be thrilled to hear from you. And I'm thinking like, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) maybe. But I actually got a call from them a couple of hours later, and it uh, turns out they remembered things very differently than I did. There was actually a lot of peace and reconciliation, and it actually felt like a homecoming and reuniting with old family. And so this thing that had, again, brought a lot of fear to me turned out to be just a beautiful thing. And we've actually talked uh, since then. It's been really, really cool, and it's just felt like, once again, the process works much better than I could ever have imagined. And I'm going to say that that is my favorite story from 2023 right now. So Kara, what are you hoping for in your recovery in 2024? I think more than anything, I am hoping for uh, further freedom from food obsession. It's kind of a mouthful. My other addictions, I'm doing really well, but that is one where I could go a lot deeper. Right on. I want to say that I'm hoping that in 2024, I can deepen my spiritual awareness, get closer to my higher power, be of greater service, and uh, really just find opportunities to help more people. And so going along with that, I'm going to say that I hope that uh, this podcast can reach more people, that we have an opportunity to reach out, offer more healing, inspiration, and be able to be a conduit for my higher power in healing others. That's my big hope. Your answer was better than mine. It's not a competition. (laughs) (laughs) It's just recovery. All right, everybody out there, we hope you have or have had wonderful holidays, and we will be talking more in the new year. Bye, everybody. Happy New Year. Thanks for being with us through another episode of Addiction and the Family. As they say in many recovery meetings, take what you liked and leave the rest. Go out and explore the possibilities for recovery in your life and give your loved ones the space and dignity to make their own choices. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe. It means a lot to us. If you know anyone else who could use what we have to offer, please tell them about Addiction to the Family. If you have comments about this podcast, have a question you'd like to answer it on the show, or want to contribute your voice, or just want to say hi, you can write to us at addictionofthefamily at gmail.com. We're also happy to be your friend on Facebook, and we can be found tweeting on Twitter. Addiction in the Family is produced, written, and engineered by Kira and Casey Ariaga, with music by Casey.